Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. So I mentioned, I think I may have mentioned in brief, like just a couple of lines of this story uh, the other day. Maybe it was Friday. I might have been doing it during the the final song of the uh, of the program. But uh, Asheville, which is the size of Rock Hill without Charlotte next door to it. So it's like 90,000 people. Population-wise, it's about the size of Rock Hill. And um, that's, you know, before I came back here, I worked in Asheville for uh, about eight years from like 2012 through 2020 and um, talked a lot during that time I was up there. Uh, I was the afternoon drive time host up there and the talked we talked a lot about the crime problems the uh the degenerative nature of the uh, the local culture if you can call it that right the welcoming open arms to the open air drug markets and the homeless camps and such uh the one of the first i remember one of the first real fights that i got into when i when i went there was uh, over graffiti. I could not believe, and I said this at the time. You know, maybe I'm a bit biased, having lived in Charlotte for you know the prior uh, decade. And you know, my old colleague, the morning guy Keith Larson here at WBT, used to call Charlotte "tidy town," right? And he would, and not in a good way. He would mock it, right? He was sarcastically calling it "tidy town" because it was all so clean and. And everybody wanted it to be all perfect and everything instead of like gritty or whatever. So yeah, I mean there was there was that element to it. All of our buildings in Charlotte are new, right? All of the buildings in Asheville are run down and old. I mentioned yesterday it's because they went bankrupt. They did. The city went bankrupt during the Great Depression. They uh, overextended on debt, uh, and they funded all of these things. And they used to be like it's the Paris of the Southeast. It was called at the time. And I mean. It's beautiful area. People would go up to the mountains for, uh, you know, for respite. They would go up there for the clean air, uh, even though there's a lot of like coal and, and timber ash in the in the atmosphere. But whatever, um, they would go up there to, you know, get their health restored, or so that was the common belief, right? Like you go up there and you get the the bracing mountain air, and and then you feel better. And then they had like the the hot springs or the boiling springs or whatever, and you could go soak in these mountain springs and the streams, and you get you know you, you you get you get better. There were solariums that were set up there and all that, so there's a lot very large population. I think at one time it rivaled Charlotte as the biggest city in the state, and then of course they went bankrupt and it froze them in time, and all of their architecture remains the same. But when I got there, yes, they have some these old some of these old buildings in downtown they got crumbling infrastructure sidewalks and roads and such and part of that is really not their fault i mean part of it is um you're you're in the mountains and like for example um the uh, the water system up there uh constantly breaking uh and mismanagement yes to be sure but constantly breaking because water pressure it's you know water builds up a lot more pressure when it's running down the mountain 
right? It just gathers all this velocity, and it puts a lot of pressure inside the pipes, and so then they pop. So you're, they're constantly fixing that stuff, and you got you know slope failure or you know rock slides, landslides, whatever. They got a lot of problems like that. But they also haven't been funding core services because the city council was captured by the left several years before I even got there. Um, they never had the whole time I was there. They never had anybody that that was even sort of moderate on the city council, county commission. They there were some Republicans. I don't believe there are any longer. Um, they're now all gone. So Buncombe has become, that's Buncombe County, has become bluer and bluer. And Asheville, when I got there, I realized very quickly that uh, Asheville is basically a, uh, it's a case study in long-term drug abuse. And uh, it, it, the best example I, or, or analogy I can think of was, uh, look, I went to college at, at uh, Winthrop University in Rock Hill, and there are a couple of streets Around the university, at least there were. I think there's, I mean, they still are. I've been down there recently, and they still are. But uh, a couple of uh, streets around the campus, Ebenezer Road, I want to say, Park Road. Um, there, these, these roads have old mill houses, and they have a lot of college kids that live off campus. I was among that group of off-campus dwellers. Get a whole bunch of roommates. You live off campus, you know, seven people in a three-bedroom house or whatever, and uh and so you you save money that way, but it's the kind of place. It's the, these are the kinds of streets and these kinds of houses where you got the couch and the keg on the front porch, right? That's the look, and that's Asheville. <laughs> to me, that was the vibe of Asheville. It's like where everybody went after, like they they weren't done with the college scene, and they just wanted to keep on keeping on with that. And maybe they were a trustafarian. You know, rich parents gave him a trust fund to camp, whatever. So, like, they, so that, so they, yeah, so they moved to Asheville and they want to keep living that kind of life. That's what it, it always kind of sort of seemed like to me. And one of the first big fights that I got into on the air was over graffiti because I came to town and I'm driving around, learning the town, and I'm like, holy smokes, there is graffiti everywhere. And, Somebody went and graffitied up some mural someplace, some business someplace, and I said, that's unacceptable. That's their business. You don't get to paint over somebody else's business, and you're going to keep getting more of it because they were, I mean, it's like well-known. People go to Asheville, these these graffiti vandals, and that's what they are. They're vandals. They go to Asheville in order to hone their craft, if you will. And they get protection from city leaders and the, you know, cultured artists in the area. And they literally attacked me for, <laughs> for calling them vandals. They were like, they're artists, graffiti artists. That's what they prefer to be called. <laughs> they're artists. Like, no, no, you don't, get to, you don't get to claim the mantle of an artist if you're painting on other people's property without their consent. You're a vandal. You are a destroyer, Right. You're damaging their property because now if they don't want your stupid art on their building, they because what happened was, if I remember correctly, there was somebody who had a sign and it got painted over something. And so the, it, they were in violation of some some city ordinance on the signs. It's just so it was so stupid. So, yeah, if they just had tagged it, that'd be fine. <laughs> so. I find this all very amusing now that after this experiment in left-wing stupidity 
And the de-policing, you know, after the 2020 uh, summer of uh, mostly peaceful but sometimes fiery protests, um, that after they they uh, suffered through this defund the police movement, and by the way, they, I mean, Asheville went forward with their defund the police efforts. You had cops that were resigning, retiring out. They, they couldn't get people to come work for them at the uh, Asheville Police Department, uh, and by the time it got to be where, well, right before they in- announced this initiative, they had two cops assigned to patrol all of downtown and the Biltmore Village area. That's it. Two officers. <laughs> so there's a car accident. There's basically no cops. And you know who loves it? Criminals. Criminals. Right. And the people who want to be able to walk down the street smoking weed in the mountains or tripping their, you know, heinies off. Uh, they want that's what that's the experience that they want. They think it's their town and they like the grittiness of it. They like to be able to just get whacked out <laughs> and and roam the streets. And businesses have finally had enough. Because for a long while I was there, businesses were part of the problem. The downtown businesses would defend the lawlessness they would oppose efforts by city government, city officials, or um, like, like for example, do you know who the Chamber of Commerce, the local chapter, the Chamber of Commerce is led by Kit Kramer, formerly of Charlotte Mecklenburg School Board fame, former chamber member here in Charlotte. She went up to Asheville and has been leading the chamber up there. You know who the city manager is now? Deborah Campbell, for, former Charlotte assistant city manager, planning director, right? who, by the way, had signs posted in her front yard when she came to town accusing her of being part of the, you know, systemically racist infrastructure (laughs) because she, she she was advising against defunding the police department. Hey, I don't think this is a great idea. She had to, she had, yeah, she had to confront these uh, temporary anarchist LARPers, that's what I call them, the temporary anarchists, because they're not real anarchists. They don't want no government. They want government where they're in control of it and then tell you what to do. And they're LARPers, they're live-action role-players. They, they went out into the streets, you know, we're going to start a revolution, and then cried when their water bottles got busted up, you know? How dare the police break our water bottles? They, yeah, they, like, ever, like, yeah, they're just nuts. They're just nuts up there. As I said, long-term case study in drug abuse. But now, now they have an idea. They're going to roll out a 60-day initiative. 60 days. They're going to increase policing with some help from other law enforcement agencies because they don't have enough cops. So they're going to increase their efforts, but just for 60 days. I'm calling it 60 days to slow the spread. That's what I'm calling it. Because after 60 days, I'm sure, I am sure, after everybody pulls together for 60 days, we'll all be safe. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will 
will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. All right, so Asheville City Leaders... Uh, This town, according to uh, Fox News, making national news yet again. I also saw uh, Jesse Kelly, the talk show host. He lives out in Texas. He uh, apparently he apparently was looking to move to Asheville at some point and then was just so disgusted when he (laughs) when he actually visited uh, for an extended period of time. He's like, oh, no, I don't want to don't want to be there. Um, And that's what this it really is a sad thing. It really is because it is such a cool area, and uh, I did. I, I I enjoy the people. I enjoyed yes the old buildings and, but the, but the left wingery is just, it's just out of scale, you know, and that was by the way that was an intentional marketing thing that Asheville did. Asheville pitched itself as you know come to Asheville. This was like the I want to say it was late eighties, maybe early nineties. They they did a marketing campaign uh, to recruit, to attract, to woo liberals, um, particularly LGBT people. Um, and then remember there was the cesspool of sin comment that was made <laughs> at the legislature, uh, and then they marketed themselves under that banner, uh, and then they stole the Vegas. Slogan, what happens in Asheville stays in Asheville or something like that. Or no, keep Asheville weird. That was it. Yeah. It was like, that was Austin's. Keep Asheville weird. And they they stole it. Anyway. um, So they've been plagued with rising violent crime. And so they said, hey, you know what? In the downtown area especially, they said, let's do a 60-day initiative to improve conditions in the downtown district. Don't worry. If you're looking to get your freak on, you can get there before May one. And you can still go wilding and do whatever you want in downtown because the 60-day initiative doesn't start until May 1, the communist celebration day, right? So there are complex circumstances contributing to the safety issues that Asheville is currently seeing downtown. And it will take a community response. See, again, where have we failed you, Asheville? That's it. The community has failed us. That's that's the we we have somehow failed <laughs> all of these other people, the ones that are crapping in the streets, leaving their needles everywhere. We have failed you. Right. The community. So we need to we need a community response. The city said in a statement, multiple city departments are coordinating a city government response. And we also need participation from community leaders and partners to address all the factors contributing to the rise in crime. So we're going to do a meetup at the brewery, and (laughs) the announcement comes as violent crime in Asheville uh, has surged. Aggravated assaults rose 22%. Armed robberies increased 20% from 2021 to 2022. That's not good. The city's new initiative will include increased law enforcement presence downtown, including foot, bike, and vehicle patrols, as well as enhanced security in parks, because there's a lot of assaulting going on in the parks and such. Authorities will also devote attention to keeping downtown clean by removing litter, needles, and biological waste, a.k.a. poop. Um, It almost sounds like, this almost sounds Rudy-esque, right? Rudy Giuliani, New York City, broken windows theory. That's what it almost seems like. Wait a minute, so we're going to pick up the litter? And that's going to make some sort of an impact. Interesting. Hmm. Weird. 
Yes, the 60-day initiative. 60 days to slow the spread of crime and poo and needles. I hope it works. Uh, how about 60 days to slow the scum? I don't yeah, no. I don't know if it can be slowed. I'm not really sure. Just, you know, we're all in this together. <laughs> Just everyone stay home together. Um... We're just trying to bend the curve, right? We're just trying to bend the curve, to slow the curve, to sl- right? Slow the spike of crime and and poo and graffiti in in downtown Asheville. Uh, the city is also, as part of its sixty day slow the spread campaign, um, it's going to include uh, yes, increased law enforcement presence downtown, foot, bike patrol, security in the parks, and all that, cleaning up the poop and the litter and the needles. But the city is also going to monitor areas in downtown where vagrancy, drug use, and crime are known to happen more frequently. <gasps> really? Like parking garage stairwells and Pritchard Park? <gasps> Say it isn't so. Pritchard Park? Yeah, everybody knows that. Everybody knows that's where, yeah. You go for the drum circle, and then when the sun goes down, uh, right, the people, the crazy people come out and beat each other up and shoot up. Um, yeah, so you don't want to be there too late. I'm, I can't tell you how too late is. How late is too late? Don't know, but you'll know it when it's too late, when you're there. Um, what else? Authorities say they're going to closely attend to enforcing laws against graffiti on public property, and they're going to take measures to remove it quickly. So, again... Cracking down on the graffiti artists. This was like, you could not even suggest this a decade ago. That's how long this has been sort of the norm. Just graffiti everywhere. Um, The efforts we are taking will be tracked and regularly updated on a newly created downtown safety initiative page. So they got a website. Okay, good. Um, Another story. This was out of the uh, AshevilleWatchdog.org which is uh, it's a website, it's a blog, it's a bunch of retired newspaper people that all just coincidentally ended up in Asheville. And then they were all at a party together, and they were like, oh, my gosh, I have a Pulitzer, too. <gasps> Me, too. We both have, oh, my gosh, you need to meet my friend over here, and he's got a Pulitzer. Oh, my gosh, what are the odds we would all be at the same party after moving to Asheville? So they started up the Asheville Watchdog, and... Um, it's a free newsletter. I subscribe. I, I, I read it because it, it's free. I think you can pay the money, but I'm not going to pay them. I mean, they got Pulitzers. They don't need my money. So uh, they got first, they trained their sites on Madison Cawthorn. They're very big to bust all the news about Madison Cawthorn. They never got around to breaking any news about his political opponent, uh, the guy who fantasized about crushing people's necks and such. Well, not all people. Hashtag not all people. Just Republicans. Anyway, uh, they... Yeah, uh, Mo Davis was his name, the colonel. And so they never got around to reporting on that. So, like, you know, I asked him during a debate and that kind of blew up. And everybody was like, oh, my gosh, this guy's got like violence fetishes or something. And uh, yeah, and then his campaign tanked. But and then they they did the story at some point later on. So that organization, Asheville Watchdog, they did a series about the problems in downtown. What with the needles and the poo and the violence and they uh, they did like multiple parts on this series and the city council, all these leftists on city council, they were like, we had no idea. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for doing these articles. Uh, you Pulitzer Prize winning 
liberal reporter types. Thank you very much. We had no idea it was this bad. So this is what prompted the 60-day slow the spread initiative, the safety initiative. The uh, press release, according to the police department, says downtown Asheville has seen a 27% increase in property crimes over the past three years. The downtown district, you mean ever since the, the fiery but mostly peaceful protests where the water bottles got assaulted by the cops because the protesters were chucking the full water bottles at the cops, so they busted up the, quote, medic tent. <laughs> My medic tent. They're attacking the medic tent. They're animals. The downtown district continues to experience one of the highest concentrations of violent crime in the city, with 10% of the city's violent crime occurring within an area that covers less than 0.5 square miles. Well, it's not like it, it's not like Asheville relies on tourists or anything. By the way, they do. Yeah. Uh, number one, you know what their number one industry is in Asheville? Let me see here. Number one is either tourism or it's number two. And then the other one is government. <laughs> That's the, uh, yeah. People work for, I mean, schools, think of it, right? You got schools, but you also have city, county governments. And so, yeah, it's like those are the biggest industries, tourism and government. Um, one of the business owners <laughs> that is quoted in this piece is funny. Um, the, one of the business owners said that ever since the Asheville watchdog highlighted the downtown problems, there's been, she has noticed an increase in police presence. That's what did it. So I spent eight years railing against the lack of focus on core services that the city council uh, was ignoring, right? They, this lack of focus because they were chasing down reparations. They're chasing down uh, all of the social justice causes and such, right? They're, they're, they're trying to find a way to tax people who don't live there but come into the city to work like some sort of a, uh, a, a what they call it, a commuter tax, Right, they had all these crazy ideas to try to get people's money without letting them into the city, <laughs> without letting them live in the city. Uh, they would like, clamp down on all kinds of new development. They didn't want to build any new houses. They didn't like any apartment buildings, but then they would complain about no affordable housing. So this business owner said she's also noticed more unity from downtown business owners and workers about addressing the problems, whether it's concerns about safety issues, cleanliness or policing. For the first time, I've seen people all on the same page of what the outcome needs to be. Everybody has some different ideas about how to approach it, but everybody is ready to do whatever it takes to get us to a particular point, which is getting our downtown back. Yeah, it would have been a lot easier to hold on to it if you had listened to some of the, the fascist Republicans. The fascist conservatives that you were too busy demonizing for the last decade. Like, this is my beef also. I'm watching it with Charlotte, too. You know, conservatives, limited government people, Republicans, helped to build Charlotte. And then they get forced out of all positions. And they're basically told, we don't need you anymore. And then what happens? Crime, graffiti, poop in the streets needles right this is and it's not just here and it's not just Asheville right this is the template and it's being replicated all over the country a new Asheville downtown association survey of 199 people 122 of them were downtown business owners or employees 48 of whom live downtown they ranked reducing homelessness, providing more access to resources and outreach as their most serious concern. The second highest concern ranked safety, reducing criminal activity. Oh, wow. 
Never could have seen that coming. More than three-quarters of the survey respondents said that they had staff or customers express concerns about feeling safe downtown. Uh, 23% said they felt unsafe during the day. 70% felt unsafe or very unsafe at night. Yes, can confirm. Walking down the street, you see people screaming at themselves or other people. And those other people might not even be there. All right. Now, given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies, the full line of Augustine Farms and Mountain House Foods, books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. In Waynesville and online at CarolinaReadiness.com, get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Got a couple of uh, messages here as well uh, from my friend Ray Cooper on uh, Twitter. It's a Pete tweet. He says, Asheville City Council never actually voted to defund uh, the police. They and people just made Asheville such a crappy place to work that all the cops quit. But now they gaslight saying we never defunded the police. That isn't why crime is up. Pretending like that they had no role in the problem. Right. It was a serious. But it, like this was a serious pitch. There were people that ran for office on the platform of cutting the police budgets and then got mad when Deborah Campbell came back with their budget with the budget proposal and did not cut the police budget. And then I think they put the signs on her front yard. They did not light them. They did not light them on fire. But yes, along the same intimidation tactic, you know, line. Yes. Meanwhile, surrounding communities recruited some very experienced officers that Asheville had spent millions training, often in very advanced areas like hostage negotiation. Uh, The ones left working in Asheville now are the ones too close to retirement to leave or who cannot get on somewhere else. Let's go to the phones here is Randall. Welcome to the program. Hello, Randall. Hello, Randall. Hello, Randall. Do we have him potted up? Can he hear me? Is he not there? That's so weird. Are you on mute, Randall? Because I can't hear what you're saying. Oh, hey. Hey, how you doing? Oh, there we go. All righty. Right on. See that? I, I can troubleshoot tech. I did it yesterday. Uh, I can, And I did it just now. There you go. All right. Welcome to the program, Randall. Glad you could join us. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I um I heard something the, uh this this morning that I thought was just absolutely phenomenal, uh, and especially extremely extremely important for the Republican Party because that question was placed to the Republican Party, but it it, it, it really uh, encompasses everyone. But uh, you know, you familiar with the guy Mark Robinson, right? The lieutenant governor, huh? The lieutenant governor. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. contemplating the run for um, governor. Oh, yeah, no, he's an announced candidate now. No, he hasn't announced it yet, but he's contemplating hey, he, it, right? No, he did. He announced it. We ran the audio of it on Monday. He announced it on oh, Sunday. Oh, he announced it. Yeah, so okay, he is an official you. candidate, yes. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, one thing that he said to me that was uh, uh, absolutely incredible, and this is going to be very important for the Republican Party for decades, and he was like, you know, before he made that announcement, he was he was saying, hey, does character still matter? That's that's Mark Walker. 
And yeah, Mark Walker, not Robson Walker. Yeah, right. Mark Walker is the former congressman, uh, Senate candidate, and he's now thrown his name. Yeah, you are. So you are correct, Randall, in that Mark Walker is contemplating, hasn't officially announced, but basically is. But this is, I don't know why he would do so because Dale Falwell's already in it, and like I don't think Walker or Falwell is going to be able to to generate more. Uh, support than Robinson. He's already got all of the endorsements. He's got a lot of the donors lined up behind him. So yeah, I, I, I don't know how Walker or Falwell think that they're gonna uh, they're gonna beat him. But you know what do I know? They they could pull it out. They they could pull it out. But but the question of the year is: Does character still matter? That that's a question that that every congressman, every senator. Uh, uh, every uh, local politician, every state local politician should really be asking themselves, does character no. still matter? No. You don't think it does? No. Why? Show me the evidence that it does. Oh, 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 oh I'm, I'm quite, you know what, now the thing about that is, I'm, I'm quite, I, I see that it's thrown out the window. Right. But, but, but the thing about it is, the American people, do they have to accept that the politicians are saying, hey, character doesn't matter. No, it's not the politicians that are saying character doesn't matter. The American voters have said that very clearly, that it doesn't matter. Oh, man, so we, we, we're doomed, man. Yeah, pretty much. You know what, as, as, as far as that's concerned, tell your kids, please do not become politicians. Please <laughs> don't listen to politicians. Please don't admire politicians, because their character is nothing. It doesn't matter. Right. Well, this is the problem is that we accept in in these elected leaders, we we accept behavior that uh, of theirs that we would never accept in our own personal life. Right. We, how, we, did that, how, how, how did that get to that point? Well, I mean, it's uh, I'm, it, it has occurred throughout all of politics. Sometimes this is part of the problem when you have not enough good people that run for office. Right. But also, um, you know, the systems reward uh, a lot of the bad behavior. They do. And I mean, look, I can tell you, and I know this is going to sound partisan, but I can tell you that uh, in my lifetime, uh, the turning point, as far as I recall, was Bill Clinton. Character didn't matter after that. And while, yes, it's nice to be able to point to some politicians that come along and they're like, oh, he's like Mitt Romney seemed like an upstanding kind of guy. And he was savaged as like giving a woman cancer. So. Yeah, no, character doesn't matter. Uh, Harry Reid laid that out very clearly when he said, look, you know, I told the lie about the income taxes and he didn't win, right? And that's all that matters. I appreciate the call, Randall.